0: Heather hi everybody welcome to another episode of that early childhood nerd I'm Heather burnt santi um, today I am joined by Christy Jones Hudson hi Christy Hello. would you let folks know what you want them to know about you sure
1: as Heather just said my name is Christy Jones Hudson I am mother to one little girl, a new mom. Um, I work for a nonprofit here in Mobile, Alabama, Goodwill Easter Seals of the Gulf Coast. I work as the Director of Children and Family Services. Also have my own um, LLC consulting company for early childhood education and have a book coming out this fall on high performing preschool
0: expectations. So really excited about those things. Awesome. That's, that's a lot that you're doing. <laughs> yeah. So great. So thank you so much for making time for this today. Um, so I read Christy's Christy, you have an article in the July, August, uh, 2020 epi- episode issue of exchange magazine. Um, and I, I just read it and I thought this would be something that I think would really speak to a lot of our listeners in this sort of weird pandemic time that we're that we're in I I read like a it was like somebody's tweet the other day that said man I wish I miss precedented times (laughs) because everything starts with in these unprecedented unprecedented times times.
1: Um,
0: yeah so the article is called using psychological first aid to support children during the pandemic and um, I'm just going to give a little quote as as we do and then we'll jump into conversation Christy Um, so you say early in the article, many of the children we work with will be affected by the circumstances surrounding COVID-19 in some way, whether it be misinterpreting the transition to homeschool as abandonment by their beloved teacher, increased time spent in unstable home environments, or repeated activation of stress response systems children are also experiencing challenges. So I just did a podcast, um, yesterday I recorded really focusing on, um, like the staffing and the director decisions and implications of, of reopening or having been open through all of this. And I think this one speaks more to what we're really all the most worried about. How are we going to help, uh, help our children to be resilient and survive and, and thrive if we can during these times?
1: Absolutely. It's a complex issue because we all have so many personal challenges going on right now. But at the same time, we also know that the pandemic is absolutely affecting everyone mm-hmm. mental health wise, especially the little ones, children, we all, you know, a lot of times people would dismiss what children are going through, but they have their own little feelings, their own little emotions, and they are really impacted by what's going on. Um, they're feeling the tension that we have watching the news, our anxieties, our own stress, uncertainty, they're picking up on those things. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's up to us in the field to be able to figure out how to support them while also keeping ourselves safe in the classroom. So it's a really, really complex onion with a lot of layers to peel Um, but we can't forget that we have to try to help children be resilient because they're going to have to use those skills now and well into the future sure
0: sure and it's you know of course it's that layer and you know talking about the layers peeling away and all the different factors and each one of those layers is so loaded with strong emotion (laughs) i think is part of why it's so exhausting for, um, for folks who are in this field because they care about other people and That's they right. want to help other people. So um, can you talk just a little bit about, um, before you go into the details of the psychological first aid, but just sort of where, where does this idea come from and why do you think it's, it's relevant now?
1: There's a lot of models that speak to psychological first aid or PFA. The one I kind of um, was drawn to was the one put forth by Johns Hopkins University. Uh, There are a lot of mental health institutions who create their own model about psychological first aid and how to use that in the aftermath of a crisis. Um, And I thought it was relevant because yes, a lot of people say that the PFA model is to be used after a um, a natural disaster. So let's say a tornado or a fire, things of that nature. But really right now, I think using it is very um, relevant, because this is something, as you mentioned before, you're tired of the word, but it is unprecedented. <laughs> it's something that we've never experienced. And then our children, of course, have never experienced that That we're um, educating. So I found that It's so simple that it's something Mm -hmm. that non mental health clinicians can also implement in any setting parents can use it teachers Mm -hmm. can use it. So I feel like if we inform ourselves, it'll help us better our service delivery. So that's why I really wanted to write about it. and the um, editors were very receptive to the messaging and I kind of went from
0: there. Uh And can you and I I didn't run this by you at all in any prep conversations, but can you speak to maybe what sets this apart from our typical conversations about trauma-informed care? Is there something that sets it apart or is this just a piece?
1: I think it's so simple. This Mm -hmm. model is very simplistic. So the RAPID model, you know, that has the acronym so you can remember it on the spot, and really they they um, emphasize having a compassionate and supportive presence. Those are very simple um, ideologies and actions, but a lot of times that's lacking in mm-hmm. homes and in educational environments. Just simply being being a compassionate, warm person goes a long way. Mm-hmm. Um, but sometimes we're in the... Um, in the midst of our own worlds and our lives and actually mentioned things that we all have going on we forget that that's what needs to happen with adults and children is just to be compassionate warm reflective ask questions just care and even before this pandemic some of that is starting to be lost with humanity the simple act of just caring mm-hmm. about someone and what they're going through and asking questions trying to encourage them um, so I think those are the best pieces to the model. And I think that's why this particular one is so effective
0: mm-hmm. and
1: so useful and relevant right now.
0: Yeah, I've been parts of lots of conversations lately about the pedagogy of care and how we don't really need to separate caring from teaching um, and the, uh, the ethics of being a carer. Uh, and I think that th- that might be one of the, the good things that comes out of this. Um, you know, really scary complex time is that we've sort of maybe been challenged to refocus on that care and how simple it seems, but how vital it is. I would like to hope so. I (laughs) I would hope the same. Yeah. So, um, so can you now, I guess, talk about what it is? What is this psychological first aid model that you're, that you're writing about? Sure. Um, I like to
1: start first with saying, I try to put this disclaimer out that it's not therapy. Um, psychological first aid is not therapy. I am not a clinical therapist. I don't have that background. Um, And the reasons why it is so effective is because the other people who use it, they don't have to have the mental health backgrounds either. Mm -hmm. Um, So psychological first aid is really just a model or tool you can use in the aftermath of a crisis. Or in this instance, when we're going through something that's unprecedented that we don't know what's going to happen that's impacting people on so many different levels mentally Um, and so psychological first aid is really about being reflective asking questions um, being encouraging being non-judgmental and non-intrusive when you're asking questions it's about really focusing on someone's behavior and um, allowing them to identify and verbalize what's going on with them. So you could ask them, how is all this making you feel? Or or, it must be um, very sad to lose your friends and not be around your friends. Or this must be very scary. And so it's about picking up on what children may be really impacted um, by the pandemic and then intervening if necessary.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: So if there's a child who may be Um, exhibiting some higher levels of anxiety or bedwetting out of the norm, then it's about putting forth interventions to try to help that child Mm -hmm. or individual.
0: Yeah. Um, So one of the things that I thought as I was reading it, uh, the article was that, I mean, it's definitely good information. I, I, you know, I'm, I'm like, I need to memorize all of this. So when I get back with children, I have this in my back pocket. But then there was a part of me, and I don't mean to to belittle the information at all, but there's a part of me that thinks this is also really reassuring and validating because a lot of these things we do um, as carers with young children, but we don't assign the language to it. So we we, we kind of don't. Uh, So, so for someone like me, who's thinking I'm going to go back into the classroom with these children who have had very stressful summers and parents who've had very stressful summers and same for me. Um, But I, am not a therapist. I don't know how to deal with the kind of depth I might see. And so I read this and I was like, oh, (laughs) these are really achievable Mm -hmm. steps that I can, that I can take. Um, And it, so then I felt better about going into the, the situation.
1: Yes. And I think that's the part too. I I, um, wrote something also speaking to parents that came out in another national publication, Mm -hmm. um, because it is something that's very simple. It's not intended to at all be anything that's elaborate or anything that's um, intended to stump someone. They're very relevant tools that can be used immediately to mm-hmm. help to mitigate the trauma that children are going through. Right,
0: right. We don't have to send teachers away for two days of training no, <laughs> to get not, certified to do it. Yeah,
1: Not at all. And as you mentioned, and what I found to be so useful myself is because- Um, There are things that we already do. We are reflective. We're taught to be reflective. We're taught to be reassuring to children. Now it's just being even more intentional, Mm -hmm. keeping in mind what's going on currently, and using those tools to support during a specific time. So we have the background. We know we're just kind of combining them into this powerful
0: force now. Mm -hmm. And so the acronym is RAPID, R-A-P-I-D. Walk us through each of those letters, if you would.
1: Sure. So the R is for reflective questioning or reflective dialogue. Um, And when we use the word reflective, I think a lot of us in the early childhood education field are familiar with the open-ended questions. Mm -hmm. We're always saying, ask open-ended questions, you know, (laughs) get them to talk more, get them to think critically. And it's the same thing here. Ask questions that are meaningful things that allow the child to, to respond to you in a meaningful way and for you to get information about what he or she may be going through. Mm -hmm. Um, From that information, you should kind of pick up on how the child really is feeling. Are they overwhelmed? Are they fine? Because the other thing is the pandemic is not going to affect every child the same way. Right. So some children may be absolutely fine, but you may find one child that really, really is devastated by what's going on. Mm-hmm. And so from that point, the questioning, the being reflective is what allows you to know how to assess. And so that's the A. Mm-hmm. So assessing the children is all about determining, well, what children really are very impacted? Who just doesn't seem, you know, because we can expect some children will have um, some variance in their behaviors because of what's going on. We all will. Mm-hmm. But now it's about determining or assessing what children really, really are impacted by what's going on. You now, whose behavior has really changed? Mm-hmm. And then from there, you determine um, who needs to get the intervention. So, prioritization or P is about determining since we have. S- by time, you know, I know we wish mm. we had all the time in the world to work yeah. with children, but we don't. And so we determine what child needs the immediate care, who needs more intervention right now, who needs for us to normalize their behavior to encourage them more at this moment. Um, and so that's what the P is all about, prioritizing those children in our care who need the immediate um, intervention. Mm-hmm. So the interventions can be individualized, you know, it's not going to be the same across the board. We know the children in our care. If someone um, needs you to normalize what's going on, if they're afraid um, because their grandmother was sick, and so now they're coming to school and that's all they're talking about, normalize what they're feeling. Mm -hmm. You know, I understand that you're so sad. You know, other children are probably afraid too. It's okay. Mm -hmm. You know, a lot of times the, the impact comes emotionally when we feel like we're all alone, but providing them with uh, the information that other children are feeling the same way you do. Um, you can also allow children to do some stress management techniques in the classroom. Um, socially distancing, of course, if you're in person, mm-hmm. but definitely allowing them to relieve their stress through deep breathing or through means of expression through art, painting, whatever it is that's individualized for the mm-hmm. children in your care, allowing them to get that energy out and the anxiety out. So that will be the I intervention.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: And so the last part, which is D, is about disposition. So what's going on now? So we've intervened, we've done a vision board. That's another intervention you could do, allowing children to focus on recovery. We've done a vision board, we've allowed them to get their feelings out. We've done this for a couple of weeks on end, a few weeks on end. So how is that child doing now? Has their anxiety leveled out? Are they doing better? Have they gotten worse? You determine that. Throughout this process, though, if there's anything that there's a medical question, of course, we're referring to the medical providers, Mm -hmm. you know. But um, if they seem to be fine, then we continue the intervention. But if they've gotten a little bit worse, the anxiety has increased, or maybe they're exhibiting some other sort of very concerning behavior, it's really time to access the next level of care. Mm -hmm. And so that next level of care could be a mental health clinician at this point, of course, with the um, agreement of parents referring them out. so, yeah, those are the steps. I think they all combine into a really neat uh, process for early childhood educators to remember and kind of walk through. Mm-hmm. Um, but it also allows us to connect after being away from each other for so long. You know, when you're spending so much time observing and monitoring children and working with them closely talking to them, then it allows for a a really great space to connect. Mm
0: -hmm. And I, as I'm, as I'm listening to this, uh, it occurs to me too that this could also be really effective with our colleagues. You know, it's, it's not just the children who have stress that we will be faced with. It could be that we have an overwhelmed colleague with us one day and we can kind of go through Some of these things. Absolutely. um, In that moment, too. I
1: agree. I agree. And and your spouse, you know, your friends, um, you know, as I mentioned before with the children, not every child is going to be adversely impacted but some will be the same with adults. Some people are just fine right now. Adults are, but Mm -hmm. some people really, really need some help. And we've seen, unfortunately in the news where just now this distancing from social connections has really had a negative impact on people in terms of um, taking their own lives and Mm -hmm. things of that nature. So we know that it's really, really um, causing some disturbances in people's lives.
0: Yeah. And you mentioned, um, you know, you mentioned that this uh, psychological first aid is not therapy. Um, and then also in the, at the sort of the end of the article, you also point out that it's not a diagnostic process either. Like we're not looking for a label to assign to anybody. We're just looking to meet the need that the child is showing us
1: That's in, I that, to- in that moment. That's right. I think it also that points even more emphasizes the point that we're we're not clinicians.
0: Mm-hmm. We're not
1: diagnosing anyone. You know, we're just simply trying to support. And if we determine the child needs another level of care, we're here to refer the child. Right. That yeah. that's it.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Um, and so have you have you um, seen seen people using this model with children? Have you have you done it? There's a, a very I've done it before with adults yeah, who yeah.
1: just experienced the loss in a fire, things of that nature. Mm-hmm. I have seen it be done with children via just some synopsis and scenarios and some training networks. Mm-hmm. So I've seen it put in action. I've done it myself. Um, what I can encourage others to do if they're trying to implement themselves is don't feel like you have to be completely perfect with implementing it. The, the biggest thing is be reflective. I think Mm -hmm. once you know that you need to just be reflective and listen and observe everything else will fall into place because most of us can sense when after asking a question, what comes after that, we'll immediately know what to do. If there's something very concerning that someone says, we'll know, what we should be doing. We'll know just instantly from being in this field what we should be doing if a child says something that's really concerning to us.
0: Yeah. And I can sort of imagine, too, in some places this becoming another checklist. <laughs> you know, we all have all our classroom checklists, and so they've got their little rapid checklist, and when a child needs it, they grab it, and they they work their way through each. Yes. Um, and that's just, I mean, it I'm thinking it would be good for me to have the just the acronym posted somewhere for my quick reference as I'm learning and practicing the skill, but you don't necessarily probably have to have a checklist and make sure you're hitting each one off and documenting each one as you go. I don't think so. Yeah. And I think it'd be good
1: to incorporate something like this in, th- in the in-service training or professional mm-hmm. development training when everyone's back to their environments and they're going over disinfecting and cleaning. Why not also include a component about um, supporting the social-emotional growth of children mm-hmm. when they return? Yeah. Uh, I think it's something really simple. As you mentioned, a checklist is a great idea. And once you've seen the checklist a few times, you've probably gotten it just yeah. based off how simple the acronym is to remember.
0: Yeah. But we're not, we don't need to file it away and prove that we did it. <laughs> no. Oh, <laughs> those thing, those habits we get pushed sort of down on us in the classroom. Um, well, I, so anything else that you wanted to talk about that I haven't asked you?
1: No, you've asked yeah. some really great, uh, great questions. Yeah. Um, I, I know definitely in the field, in the classroom, we're all concerned about, is this another thing that I have to do perfectly, another thing to remember. Yeah. So I think just trying to support those who are in service delivery by saying that, you know, as long as we're just asking the questions, which we, mm. most times we are, and just don't forget about the follow-up part. I think that's the yeah. most important thing, just the follow-up. If you're noticing something, if you've heard something that doesn't quite seem right, just don't forget about that piece as well, to follow up and, and check into the disposition of the child after you've intervened.
0: Yeah and so in your in the disposition section of the article you say you know make sure you're looking and noting how the child responded to whatever your 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 plan was for intervention yes. or um are they now displaying new coping strategies or do they need a little bit more coaching um so so like so much that we do it's a yes. cycle it's not a not, with our data. Always, yes.
1: With our data. We always have to do something with the data, right? Make it yes. be useful. So this is yeah. just another opportunity to use data that we're collecting and be really useful and intentional about what we're doing with it. So yes, yeah. you're right.
0: Yeah. Well, I, I thank you so much for this article. I think, um, honestly, when I read this this issue, and this is not just me sucking up to exchange <laughs> this issue I was like I have to have every single person in this issue on the show <laughs> it's so, a um, really
1: great issue I agree yeah
0: so I, I really appreciate this article um if people wanted to get in touch with you with questions or just to learn more about your program or anything how could they do that
1: sure yes please email info at pre so that's I-N-F-O at P-R-E-K coache com. Mm-hmm. we provide a lot of training to people uh, that really are looking to improve their support of children with disabilities we work closely with parents of children with disabilities and done a lot of research about how to support this population so mm-hmm. we're very happy to help always um, and so if they have any questions they can just email me at that email address great thank you so much
0: um, so, and also, I, I'll just mention, even though it's the end of the podcast now, um, we'll also have a link to this article that we'll be able to share with everybody. So um, if Perfect. you've been listening and, and don't have that exchange subscription yet, um, we will be able to get that to folks who Perfect. want to, to want to get more information. So thanks so much for the time on a Saturday. That's uh, really generous of you. <laughs> No, i
1: really have enjoyed it let me know if i can ever join you again thank you so sure, much and really sure. great questions today i really appreciate oh, it
0: well those stuff i not we needed to know <laughs> so <laughs> all right thank you again and thanks everybody for listening to another episode of that early childhood nerd and that's the show now go get your nerd on